0: This episode was brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, Dave, Greg Bench, Ryan, Dan, Ian Erza, James, Ashley, Gregor Morrison, Earl, Raul, Joel, Greg Russell, Brian, Stefan, Amy, Ian West, and Trey. Stick around for an extended shout-out
1: at the end. the end. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, the Father, aka Pastor Matt, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Sun, and I am not Todd.
0: <laughs> Are you sure? I'm Todd.
1: <laughs> oh, it's been a while since it was just you and me, buddy.
0: Th- that's right. I I always love having guests on, but but it's fun to go back to the roots of father and son watch horror. Yeah, it's been like ten episodes since we were just you and me. But anyway. what was our last? I don't even remember what the last movie we covered together. I think it may have been Candyman versus Candyman. Oh right, yeah. Oh man, that feels like forever ago. Yeah. So,
1: folks, we are a spoiler podcast. We do spoil the movies we discuss. We are recording during the holiday season and continuing our theme of Warped Families. And today, thanks to our supporters over at Patreon mainly, we're covering Blood Rage from 1987.
0: Uh, Looks like you're going to get a chance to meet the rest of the family. My psychotic brother just escaped. I just don't want to spoil things. We also need more turkey? No, I'm pretty good, thanks. I don't like to talk about my brother. It gives me nightmares. Happy New Thanksgiving. You know, somebody ought to tell him to get inside. Nobody should be out with my brother around. He looked exactly like Terry, except he had this really wild, crazed look in his eyes. There's somebody after me. He's chasing me. He's trying to hurt
1: me. You're gonna hurt my kitty. Oh, Oh, God. You're a real sweetheart, you know that? A real sweetheart.
0: It's not cranberry sauce, Artie. Not cranberry sauce.
1: So, the IMDb synopsis reads, a boy kills a man and accuses his twin brother of the murder, and the innocent brother ends up institutionalized while his psychotic twin goes free. Ten years later, the innocent twin escapes, which triggers his brother into killing again. What do you think? Pretty
0: good. Yeah, pretty good yeah. summary. But it makes more sense than the movie, I can tell you that much. <laughs> and I loved, I loved how you preface this movie by saying the only reason we're doing this is our Patreon supporters, because God knows we wouldn't just watch this movie for fun. <laughs> or maybe we would. I don't know. I, oh, maybe. I, I find this movie very entertaining, but that's that's something we'll get into. We will. So when did you first see Blood Rage, a.k.a. one heck of an Oedipus Complex? Aka slasher, aka five hundred other names, but yeah, yep. I think the *Oedipus*. *Oedipus* should have been the 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 actual title. Yes. Um, I I I first watched this on Joe Bob, uh, his dinners of death marathon, which was 2018. Um, and I was half af- half asleep while watching it, but let me yeah. tell you, it, d- it doesn't get any less baffling when you watch it wide awake. Um, <laughs> I was expecting it to. I was like, okay, well, I, here's what I remember. I remember a mom talking to the operator about all of her life problems and drinking wine while she vacuums. Right. And I remember people just meeting new people and just immediately having sex with them on a diving board and it's just i just remembered a very odd movie and it's not cranberry sauce but uh turns out yeah it doesn't make any more sense when you're wide awake so i don't i I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but i'll say this i i i really enjoyed it i had a good time um but i've got i've got lots of questions (laughs) (laughs) all right so I think I actually
1: saw this um, on video in the 90s because my freshman year of college and my senior year of college, I spent some time working in a video store or video stores. Uh, and on occasion, I would just pick up a random horror movie that I had not seen. Um, I usually closed, so I would, like, shut down at 11 o'clock and get home by midnight. And it took me a while to get to sleep, and so i just grab a horror movie. And so I that's when I think I first saw it. I didn't rewatch it until I covered my horror movies of 1987 for my my 10 best list, you know, of that year over on Letterboxd. And then, of course, Joe Bosch. I think this is the fourth time I've I've seen it. But what do we think of the plot and the screenplay for Blood Rage, which let me preface, written by the guy who wrote and won an Oscar for Ghost? Yeah. With and... Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, and Whoopi Goldberg, and Tony Goldwyn, and he also penned *Brainstorm*, which was Natalie Wood's final film, *Deadly Friend* for Wes Craven, and he also wrote *Jacob's Ladder* in 1990, which I voted—I actually wrote down as—as as when I voted for my boss Jerry Lieber in the Oscars, I wrote *Jacob's Ladder* as one of the five
0: best films of that year. What do you think? It's. <sighs> So obviously this movie is like a cult classic for all the wrong reasons. But like I when I was watching it, I was noticing like, I think this movie is a little bit more self-aware than people think it is. Uh, you think? Really? I, I think so. Like or, or at least that might be down to the performances, especially from the lead. But I, I do feel like there's a there's a little bit of self-awareness, um, like like some of the lines, some of the cutaways, like one part that I loved was when it's like a intense scene, they're like, We gotta go find we gotta go find Todd and they're all like running through the forest and then it cuts to just the mom drinking wine while holding a vacuum. <laughs> I just love that cutaway. I, or or like when uh, um, Terry goes over to the girl who's babysitting, uh, he goes over to to her you know the house where she's babysitting at and yeah. they sit down on the couch and he's like and she's like making an advance on him and he's like, I wonder if there's anything good on the tube. It's yeah. like I, I think it's a little self aware. It's it's definitely not all the way there there are some parts where they thought that they were genuinely scary when they just come off as as hilarious but i think there is a little bit of self-awareness here and you know even if it's not self-aware even if it's not a secretly genius comedy it's still you know i could just explain this way as being a paycheck for the writer
1: well we'll get to the director here in a minute and some of the stuff he has done i i should say that you know that the screenwriter who did this, and I didn't write down his
0: name for some reason. Was it Bruce Rubin, I think? Is that, is that, I think that was the screenwriter, something yes. like that. Yeah, Bruce Rubin, Br- Bruce Rubin, R U B I N, which I don't think I've, I've, I see it spelled that way very often.
1: Yeah, he, he now spends his, splits his days writing screenplays and teaching meditation.
0: Yeah, that seems about right. So he's with David Lynch, <laughs> just hanging out okay. with David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: um, <laughs> You, you kind of alluded to this in your opening, since we're talking about the plot. We'll talk about the kills and the director and this cast, but um, that ending by the pool. I mean, you've already mentioned, and we'll talk about uh, Louise Lasser here in a minute and all the stuff that she does or doesn't do in this movie. Um,
0: the ending, that ending is bonkers. Yeah, sure it is. Yeah, that's that's where I think that the movie is a little self-aware. That whole set piece around the pool. You can't just there's no way somebody put pen to paper and thought, yep, this is good. This is I'm sending it off, you know, unironically. Somebody had to I'm like Todd. I'm yeah, Todd. I'm Todd. I'm Todd. They're both screaming. I'm Todd blood filling the pool. Then it ends on a freeze frame of Todd as he just kind of looks at the camera. There is no possible way somebody was like, this is terrifying. People have nightmares. I that's that's the main reason I I think that this is a a secret uh, secret uh, comedy film, like a Borat type movie. Like it's it's just it's presenting itself as as genuine. But there's got to be some level of, of irony here, especially like. I, we we talked about the mom. I mean all the cutaways to her and what she's doing, drinking wine while scrubbing the oven and calling the operator. It's, it's just – it's so odd ah, and obviously eating, improvised. Eating, eating leftovers on the floor. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's like – well, first of all, it's obvious they're trying to get a feature length, right? I mean, this is – I i don't know if the unrated version is different than, like, the video version or whatever. The, the I have version. i have not
1: seen the unrated version. I have only seen what was played oh, on okay. Joe Biden. I, I do not own this. I know there is a two-disc, like, special edition, which I'm sure has all the deleted scenes, including a lot of the deleted gore, which we'll talk about. But, um, uh, yeah, it's – I'm I'm not so sure how self-aware this was. Okay, so because the director John Grismer
0: only has two feature credits, does that surprise you? It does not, and I'm wondering what the other one is. It's a movie that I have not seen uh,
1: from 1977 called Scalpel.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. Uh, and so I uh, I'm not so sure. That he didn't think that in his mind this was kind of Ed Woodish a masterpiece.
0: Okay, sure. Well, maybe maybe everybody was playing a big joke on the director then because something somebody had to along somebody along the assembly line had to realize what they had on their hands.
1: Well, I I, I, I can see your point because you know our opening scene is at a drive-in. Uh, that drive-in scene was filmed in New Jersey, by the way. Or even though what does it say, Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, Florida Man, Florida Man movie. Why we needed to know it was in Jacksonville, Florida, I have no idea. And so you've got a bunch of really randy people at a drive-in, and you've got a condom salesman in the bathroom, (laughs) which I— Look, I've been to the drive-in many times. I have seen people selling things in bathrooms, but it weren't condoms. You know what I Did mean? Did you notice uh, who
0: played the condom salesman? Of course, the screen debut of Ted Raimi. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's such an odd, like thing. Like, well, uh, he comes up to his brother Sam. He's like, "I just got my big break in Hollywood," and and Sam's like, "What'd you do?" And he was like, "I sold Trojans in a drive-in bathroom." <laughs> that's such an odd. That's such an odd bit. It, it feels very. You see, that feels very like Revenge of the Nerds right that feels very like porkies or whatever it it is weird and then you know you have that and then you know you've got louise
1: lasser with her boyfriend at the drive-in and you know debating whether to make out with her boyfriend while her kids are asleep in the back which is weird and you know
0: then of course the kids wake up and and there's a gun laying across their lap yeah, I don't know for protection at the drive-in, I guess. Or maybe they're planning on going big game hunting afterwards. I don't know. That was weird. And so they go out and they find just
1: randomly, and I only know this cuz I listened to the Adam Carolla podcast. Um Adam Carolla is a comedian and, you know, and and but before he became famous, he was a carpenter. You know, he was a day laborer in LA. And he, you know, one of the twins Terry, right, finds an axe just sitting in the back of a truck. According to Adam Carolla, that would never happen because that's your livelihood. You lock that crap up. You don't, you don't, you know, you lose your tools. You don't have work, right? Um, and so that's bizarre. And he finds an axe and then he goes and peeks on two people having sex and then proceeds to chop into him and blame his twin. And... Then we flash forward supposedly 10 years, even though this was shot in 83, so it'd be nine years, because we're also told the year, which is weird. Um, And we have Louise Lasser going to the mental institution where the innocent twin has been framed for this is at,
0: and we get a voiceover. You remember that? yeah, I do. I remember thinking that scene was really experimental. I was like in any other any other movie, this'd be kind of cool. I'd be like, oh, so they're not they're like dubbing over the dialogue with with voiceover. That's kind of cool. But I, I knowing what I know about this movie, I'm pretty sure that wasn't an artistic choice. It just didn't get the dialogue they wanted. So they just decided, let's dub over it. it. it is odd. Um and kind of funny too. See, there's another like self-aware writing thing. It's like the doctor in her notes is like, she didn't take it well. And then it cuts to her just screaming, No, 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 no more tests, you know. And so with I, and with and with, you know, her son smashing up the pie. Oh, right. Yeah, that's so awkward. He like fiddles with it for so long in his hand, then she's just like, stop that, stop, don't do that. Stop. <laughs> it's so awkward. Oh. Oh, yeah. And then he throws it at the wall. And then she's like, "But I still remained hopeful remained hopeful. it's 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 odd. I don't know. it is it is really odd. And that psychologist character also I was reading was actually working on the movie. She was like a producer. Yeah. Um, because so the actress who was cast didn't show up. Yeah, which is always the the mark of a very professional, you know, production. <laughs> but
1: uh, well, I mean, if it was Robert Downey Jr. in the '90s when he was addicted to smack, you could understand that.
0: But you yeah, know, like, yeah, for a low budget kind of thing shot in Jacksonville, Florida, it's like, why wouldn't she show up? And uh, the funny thing is, the the actress, you know, the producer in that role is just as good as anybody else in the movie. You would never know that she's not an actress. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the director, John Grismer, he apparently turned to writing history and he's a Civil War buff. He hasn't directed since. So, uh, it, you know, the the movie is bonkers because you also get, you know, apparently, you know, the twin escaping like sets Terry off like and and so he starts killing again. And he
0: hasn't killed since he was like, what, eight or nine, something like that. I, I guess that's the implication. Um, I, don't, I don't really know. Maybe he's like, oh, he's escaped. Perfect chance for me to frame more murders on him and keep him away, like, locked away forever. Maybe that's the idea. Um, but uh, obviously he's also got, you know, some mommy issues. He wants his mommy all to himself. He doesn't like any of uh, his mom's boyfriends. Oh, this guy's got serious. He, they, you want to talk about a Oedipus
1: complex? Not to repeat myself, but goodness sakes! It's not just him either. The mom has a weird fascination with Terry as well. Oh, a very weird. Yeah, give me a kiss and all like. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I think it was one of your favorite YouTube channels, Dead Meat, when they covered this. It was like at the ending. We've talked about the ending where where Terry is there or not Terry. Um, the other one, what's his name? Um, Todd, Todd. Yeah. Todd is there with the mother and, and he noted, he, he noted in his commentary, so it looks like they're about ready to make out. I mean, it's yeah. weird.
0: It does. And it, it's so odd. And, and, uh, yeah, there, there, I wonder if, and that, this is another thing, if we read this as a secret genius movie, as a secret commentary on slasher movies in general and and uh, mother and son relationships and mental illness and how it, people with mental un- illness are treated, um, I wonder if that was, you know, that was supposed to be, I don't know, like commentary on why. Terry is the way that he is. Maybe his mom had something to do with that and their unstable home life or, but I don't want to give the movie that much credit. Honestly, I think, I think they just were like, we need to much like hammer movies, uh, sex things up with rape scenes, which was a yeah. great idea. Thanks hammer. Um, I yeah. think this movie was just, just like, we need a sexist movie up with mom and son stuff.
1: Yeah. It's just, weird i mean that whole thing is kind of that's the one part of the movie that, i mean you can write off the rest of the movie as just being goofy um but that part of the movie is disturbing i agree yeah <laughs> yeah i mean what yeah what else are you gonna say yeah yeah I,
0: I i think i think pretty much if you've seen the movie you know what we're talking about there's not really we don't need to condemn uh incest any anymore i think i think we all I understand,
1: understand. yeah i i think we're 100 percent anti that yeah so um let's talk about the cast we've got mark soper i hope i'm pronouncing that right as todd and terry he's best known for his brief role in the world according to gart which have you seen that
0: i have not um okay
1: i've read the book and watched the movie um yeah, yeah robin williams john lithgow it's a very good movie directed by george rory hill who directed the sting and so forth um it, it, it's a very very good movie uh Glenn Close is also in it um and he plays Robin Williams's wife has an affair and he's a student where she teaches and they have a, you know they have something going on and he's best known because he loses his um his his hood if you're following me
0: <laughs> I am and uh yeah sounds sounds fantastic uh he gets it bit off. Okay. I'll I'll have to take your word for it. I don't think I want to watch The World According to Gart now. Oh, no, no, no. You need to see The World According to Gart because it's
1: actually one of Robin Williams' best performances. All right. It's not completely comedic. It's actually a fairly dramatic role Mm. from a novel by John Irving, and he's great in it. He plays the son of a famous feminist who wants to be a novelist, and he's also a teacher and and it's it's very well done. And John Lithgow plays a transgender former football player who's his best friend. And
0: it, it, John Lithgow, it's one of John Lithgow's best performances as well. It's it's really well done. And Mark Zipper was in that. And also Blood Rage is what yes. you're telling me. Yes. Great. Yeah, I'm glad to see he uh... Well,
1: Ward according to Gart, came out in 82 and this oh, was wow.
0: 3. So That's, so so even with his his uh, new critical acclaim that he found he, he found himself doing blood rage. Yes. Yes. And great. I have no idea what he did after that. But what what do you think of him as as Todd and Terry? I actually think he does a pretty good job. Um, I, I mostly as as Terry. I mean, Todd is just kind of timid. You know, he doesn't talk very much, and his, when he does, his line delivery is really odd. Like, "You seem really nice. I've never kissed a girl." It's, yeah. a, it's really weird. But I like Terry a lot. He's really funny, and of course, he delivers the classic. It's not cranberry sauce art. It's not cranberry sauce. <laughs> yeah, that's Todd, right? That's yeah. Todd. But yeah, it's just
1: or no, no, that's Terry. I'm sorry. Terry. Yeah, I get Terry. confused. But yeah. And so does the mom. Him, I will give him credit, um, as your, you know, your one of your favorite YouTube channels, Dead Meat noted. He does do at least the job of differentiating
0: the two. Yeah,
1: like they're two very different characters, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and also he's got the, you know, the hair down or the hair up, which is right. <laughs> funny. It's like one's emo, one's not. But but yeah, I, I, I love Terry. He's just smug. He he does remind me a lot of Garbage Day. You know, he's that kind of character where he's psychotic and just barely like not showing that he's a sociopath to everyone around him. Um So, yeah, I love that. I love the smug grins and stuff and how we can. So the audience can so easily read him, but apparently nobody around him can. Like when he's at dinner and and, uh, his mom announces she's getting married, he's like gripping his cup and he's looking really like angry. But then he just stands up and he's like, a toast. And everybody's like, just pretends to not have seen that, I guess. Um, So Where where he's drinking milk. Yeah, drinking milk and then later tomato juice. Very odd beverage choices in this movie. Yeah. Um, might as well be drinking the blue milk from Star Wars. I mean, just throw that in there. Um, but and, and and coconut liqueur uh, later on. Just yeah. really odd choices overall. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think Mark Soper does a good job um, as the weed. I think I think he's definitely the best performance in the movie. The 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 most conventionally good performance in the movie. Does that say uh, much? It does it it really does not. But I wanted to th- give him at <laughs> least a little bit of a compliment. Somebody needs to get complimented in this movie because everyone else, I mean, I love Louise Louise Lasser. and we'll talk about her in a second. But yeah. I mean, come on. it's just it's he just did like do, he did do an episode of T j. Hooker mm. with
1: William, of course, William Shatner, who really recently got back from space. and, uh, my buddy, Adrian Zamed, who wow. I knew when I was in L.A., was in Bachelor Party and and uh, Final Terror. And Adrian Zamed's a really good guy. So, uh, yeah, I missed my chance to ask Adrian about uh, The Great <laughs> Mark Soper, But I hadn't seen Blood Rage at that point. So um, Louise Lasser as Maddie. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Um, she didn't get along with the director. Um, but... You know, Louise Lasser has had a controversial career, still with us, by the way, in her 80s. Um, But she was married to Woody Allen, and that had to involve some trauma. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So, you know, I I cut her some slack. Um, uh, Of course, she's best known for being on the show Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, which was a satire of soap operas back in the 70s. Um, She hosted SNL. In a show that was so bad, Lauren Michaels demanded it never be repeated um and part of that controversy was, according to cast members, she says differently, but according to Lorraine Newman and Chevy chase, um she refused to come out of her dressing room, and of course, Saturday Night Live is uh live, yeah, and so that's a problem, and so they had at one point, they were like grabbing wigs and fixing them into braids where Chevy Chase would play all of uh, Louise Lasser's parts. Um, So here she is drinking, overacting, eating, cleaning, (laughs) drinking,
0: overacting. Uh, What do you think of Louise Lasser as Maddie? I think it's a fascinating performance. I think it's a... (laughs) And absolutely, I mean, it's just you can't take your eyes off the screen when she's she's on there. Even when she's not fully broken down yet, even when she's acting normal, if you can even call it that, like when she first visits Todd and, and the mental institution, there's yeah, just something be, off about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like her. She's got a real, real awkward smile, and her eyes just seem kind of glazed over. I'm wondering if she was actually drinking real alcohol on set because that wouldn't surprise me.
1: No, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm chalking this up to post Woody Allen disease. What do you think? Sure.
0: Yeah, that definitely had to contribute. Um, yeah, I'm sure that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't pleasant, but um, it's a fascinating performance. It's another one where it's like it's it's another aspect of this movie that uh it's just i, I wouldn't even say it's it's so bad it's good it's it, because it's just it, it is good it is fascinating but can you call it bad it, it's just you know, well you can call it bad but it's unique okay no. it's oh. <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> all right it's i i i i i've never seen another character played the way that she played except maybe carrie at the end of carrie but yeah. she's just like hysterical carrie the entire movie basically even when nothing's happened, she's sitting on the couch and all all that's happened to her so far is that somebody isn't returning her calls. So she decides to binge drink and cry and talk to the operator. It's, it's, it's odd. Well, it's really she's odd. been told
1: she's been told that one, her beloved son, uh, you know, Terry, is actually the killer, that Todd is innocent. Todd has escaped. Um, all this on Thanksgiving Day, which is one of the reasons we're covering this, right? We're covering holiday movies right now. And so, you know, this is... We, we wanted to get this done before Thanksgiving. It's December, but we just had a, you know, had a kind of a crunch and scheduling conflicts and all kind of stuff. But, um, I mean, she's she's been through a lot, but she seems, even when she, early on, she's not all there. Yeah. I mean, she's got... You know, she's got one row at one oar in the water, and she's kind of paddling in
0: circles. If you know yeah. what I mean. think <laughs> that's the that's perfect analogy. That's exactly what she's doing. Um, yeah, and it just it just gets weirder and weirder as it goes on. So yeah, and I I was wondering like with the guy, I I think his name is Brad. Why would he want to marry into this family? Like like no matter how charming she is, this is a messed up family. I'm not sure you want to get involved in that. Um, but. Uh, I, uh, I, I don't know maybe it, it, because he seems well off doesn't he, he owns that whole apartment complex does and... he own it or just run it I couldn't figure that I, out I don't know I, I think I think he owns it but his his office doesn't look exp- like especially you know expensive or ornate it's just kind of a white room so I don't know maybe maybe he is just like the manager he does say he's a manager but to me that yeah. read, like I don't know but it it, it, well, it is an odd situation. But... Going back to your earlier point where maybe they
1: actually kind of the writer and director kind of figured that this was like you said, this is, you know, kind of satire or whatever on slasher movies, because what's he listening to in his office? He's listening to like this gospel program. Right. And literally, you know, it's like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth when he gets his hand cut off and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and he's just sitting in his office drinking beers at his desk, yeah. like listening to gossip. It's really, yeah, and then, yeah, so, and, and the fact that it was originally just called Slasher reads to yeah. me like it's, like, it's like calling your movie Scream, you know, or Scary Movie. And it really does feel to me like it was kind of a parody, or, or maybe not necessarily a parody, uh, in that it was supposed to be like an overtly comedic, but maybe they set out to try to make the most slashery slasher ever. Like mm-hmm. they got the they got the machete, they've got like the, the giallo twist about who the killer is, even though we see it at, right at the beginning. Um, it's and, and we get the we get the final girl circuit and we get nudity and and drug use. So it is the most slashery movie ever. And like you said, it's one of the only I only one of the only Thanksgiving horror movies, really, unless you're talking about Thanksgiving, which I would rather not Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, or the the trailer for Thanksgiving by Eli Roth, um, which also brings up the cranberry sauce line. Of right? course. Yeah. yeah. Um, But so, yeah, I, I do. Th- a part of me wants to believe that this was intentional, that they were setting out to make the most slashery slasher movie ever. But I think really, I know my soul knows that this was an earnest attempt at a movie, and I really don't like that <laughs> fact. Because it just it just shows, because I'm sure the people that worked on this movie, and we know that. Like you've been talking about the cast members and the writer of the movie. You know, these are talented people, and it just scares me that no matter who you are or how talented you are, you can make blood rage. <laughs> and so that that terrifies me. So I want to explain it away somehow
1: yeah i don't think you can but but um so we already mentioned of course um because i don't think we need to spend a lot of time talking about the rest of the cast
0: because they're pretty forgettable yeah absolutely i mean they're all I've all, all the people in this movie, like there are a couple of blonde girls. And I was like, which one is this? Is this the one that was babysitting earlier? Who is this? She's on the, the, the one on the diving board. Is that the same one who's babysitting? I'm really not sure what's going yeah, on. Yeah.
1: Well, it was like, are you guys like,
0: you know, like, you know, opposed to
1: brunettes or, you know, what's the problem yeah But I, um, yeah, other than, as we mentioned, the debut of Ted Raimi as the condom salesman at the drive-in. Um, and I do want to thank, uh, Greg and Pearl, Atlanta, the creeps for their trivia contest. I won the trivia contest, and one of the reasons I won the trivia contest was I knew we were covering this. And one of the questions was, what was Ted Ramey's debut? Yeah,
0: that's good knowledge to have because you know people are going to ask you that on the street.
1: Well, I only had that because I knew we were going to cover this after the Patreon supporters voted. And I, so I went in and, and started going through the trivia, and I was like, oh, it was his debut, so I knew it. So yeah. um,
0: Let's talk about The Kills
1: um what did you think of the kills
0: and do you have a favorite i th- i you know this is one of the things where i think actually you know it's a positive for the movie the kills are great or at least they're they're cool you know there are a couple of really good ones i think and then there are a couple of ridiculous ones i mean we talked about the beer can thing right the guy with the getting the hand cut off and the hand is somehow still moving even though the tendons that would you know allow for your hand to move have been severed right. Um, right? but that's still really funny i love that and i love how his body is posed later with like his head resting on a stump i find yeah like really he's funny. just like bored yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so i love that i love the the psych the psychiatrist getting cut in half even though it's off screen though the when we cut back Act to it that's really brutal I mean I don't know how she got so far yeah. away from her legs um, and it's obvious that she's just like you know it's the old trick of she's underneath you know and they've got leaves covering up the hole where her body is going underneath it and she's just kind of flailing around but um but still it's cool I think that all that stuff is cool and and, and what to, was Todd trying to do with her body I I don't know he I, he, I think he was kind of mourning her her maybe by putting his dna all over i guess they have the same fingerprints but (laughs) just kind of wallowing in her blood and taking her gun it it was really odd that instead of just leaving the scene he decided to stay there a little bit longer and and then to talk to that little girl was really weird That was a really odd thing but anyways back to the kills um uh but i guess that was foreshadowing or set up something later but still an odd scene um that my favorite kill is uh phil who's the guy we mentioned earlier that the this is so convoluted that that the blonde girl is babysitting this kid and the kid's mom comes back with this guy named phil because she's going to try to get him to marry her so he can be like her sugar daddy right and so she goes in to get changed into a lingerie and she comes back out and he's nowhere to be found she hears a knock on the door and she goes to check it. She sees him through the the uh, peephole, opens the thing. and it's just his head hanging from the yeah, the porch. I guess it's a really cool kill. And an awesome fake head. I don't know if it's a fake head or if they wrapped him in a blue screen, maybe, and it was his actual head because it looks really good. Uh, back
1: the- then, I think they would have to have done a a uh, fake head. I think they would have to have, you know, done a death mask kind of thing.
0: Yeah, well, it looks. I think it looks fantastic. I mean, it's not Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, you know, eyes squeezing out of the head—that awful kill. I, I mean, anything uh, I guess looks good compared to that. But um, I, I think it looks really cool, and it's, it's a good kill too. It, it, they're, they're side characters, sure. Um, but I mean, what character isn't a side character in this movie? They're all two D, two D characters. But anyway, yeah, other than
1: Mark Soper, and Louise Lasser, yeah, they're just all, yeah, uh, it, j- that, yeah. Um, so oh man my favorite um ah i i i do kind of like um early on when you know terry kind of loses it and then just starts like randomly just stabbing people yeah um like the the orderly who follows the psychiatrist no right and just like – and the machete – and I'm not – here's the thing. I'm not so sure a machete is a stabbing weapon.
0: No. No, definitely. I would say the, the sharpest part is the broad side, which he used to cut down grass with. Um, but but he shoves it right through him, He right? seems to – yeah, several people get stabbed right in the chest just just run through, um, which is – and I love that scene, by the way. Jackie, I think his name is, is the orderly yeah. guy with the, the trank gun, um, which it seems very unnecessary. <laughs> like a – do they – did they have those just on hand trank pistols just to give out I, to psychiatrists? I, I have no idea. Now, here's a little bit of trivia for you. When okay. I grew up,
1: and I've joked with your grandfather about this a lot, uh, it's amazing that his church took off because, you know, what they say is location, location, location. Sure. Well, you know, he founded a church in 1970 that was looked like a warehouse and was next to the mental hospital. And many times people would wander out and find their way over to the parking lot. <laughs> and right, uh, I like walked out to his car one day when I was like eight years old, and there's some woman who escaped from the mental institution who's looking for a lighter. And I'm like, eh, that's a pastor who doesn't drink or smoke. Good luck with that lady. But um, yeah, yeah. It, it, so it's, uh, it's
0: it's 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 uh, it's weird. I guess safety um, regulations were a little bit more lax back then is basically the idea i i guess yeah but i got it i i love that like how he's looking for uh for todd he tries to lure him out with drugs he's like i got goodies and then he just decides to plop himself down on somebody's back patio to smoke some pot just like that (laughs) somebody's there their light is on like you're just on their back porch (laughs) making a lot of noise and you're just gonna smoke weed out there that's and then when when terry comes up he just offers him it's a very odd scene. And then, of course, he gets stabbed because he tells Terry that mm-hmm. uh, the psychiatrist thinks that that actually Terry did it. Or he doesn't say that, but he implies it by saying that she doesn't think that Todd was the one who killed oh, uh, people.
1: Yeah, uh, that and the other kill I love is when he kills his buddy with the kitchen fork.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, that and that's the the second use of the cranberry sauce line. Yeah, which I think that they were like, this is another thing. I also watched the kill count. Um and uh, and it, they do overuse that, right? They they overuse oh, the they that
1: forever. Yeah,
0: they were, were they were proud of it. So he says it once in the mirror to himself, then once to art. And I can understand that. Like he said it in the mirror to practice, maybe. And then he says it later on to some actually somebody. But then he says it again to himself after art is dead. That's so an odd choice. Um, it's tasting blood. I don't know. I mean, who are we to question uh, Terry? Obviously, he's got something wrong with him. But yeah, uh, yeah just tasting the blood on a shirt—like you've never—you don't—you want to taste that blood in particular? Uh, um, yeah. Odd choice, yeah. But yeah, I I do like that. that and blood,
1: kill. by the way, stinks.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. he puts it—he just puts it in the trash can for his mom to find. That's also like—I feel like he would have been a little bit more meticulous than that. That's an odd, yeah. odd choice as well. Yeah. But um. And then and then his girlfriend comes up and uh, and they're talking and then he just makes like a really weak like flash at her with the machete. Like, I feel like you could have, you know, maybe done a, given it a little bit more effort than that. Maybe he wanted a chase. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, then we, we get the final girl, girl circuit. But anyways, I love the kill with art. You're right. I love the the uh, all the kills in this are great. I think they're all even uh, Terry at the end game. And shot like 50 times by his mom even that's a great kill very memorable so i they were definitely i think that they did a a terror train thing um where it's like they had ideas for kills and then they kind of worked a movie around it with terror train they're like we got a train and we got a couple ideas for how to kill people in costumes how do we combine these things and it's like new year's costume party on a train sure that's the plot. Um, and with this one, they're like, we got to cut people's hands off and we got to have an excuse for a bunch of people to be in one location. And also it's fall time. So I guess it's a Thanksgiving kill, uh, slash movie. So I don't know. I, I, I they, obviously the kills were what was the most effort was put into. And, and you know, I'm fine with that. It's a slasher movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the kills are fine. I, I do, you know, I did read a lot of, as we talked about, a lot of gore was cut. And so I would like to see those scenes, like especially the doctor who gets cut in half and all that kind of stuff. But, um, here's a hot take. I didn't think the music was that bad.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that the hot take either. I've heard people praising this. I watched this on YouTube. I watched the unrated version on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of the comments are saying the same thing because the, the, the soundtrack is pretty cool. I don't know if it's a hundred percent original. Maybe it is. Some of it sounds kind of stock. Like maybe it was recycled from another like project or something. Yeah. Um, but it is cool. It's cool music. It's very, very eighties that heavy, but it, it's, it got a good beat to it, especially the opening theme. I really like that. The music during the drive-in thing during that, like mom. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. That was I good. Mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's John Carpenter. I'm just no. saying it was, I,
1: I, I... I kind of found it likable. I just I kind of enjoyed it.
0: And I couldn't sing the tune for you. If you, like you had a gun to my head, I wouldn't be like, "Oh yeah, the blood rage theme goes da na 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 like I couldn't do that. I I just know it sounded cool while I was watching it. So yeah, I like the soundtrack and the sound design too. I, I thought that the sound design was interesting. Yeah. Um, I, it's you know it's it's cool. I I don't I I think that technically this movie isn't terrible. I mean most of the shots are in focus. Um, there was some exceptions. <laughs> there's the there yeah there's the, the the POV shot where the the psychiatrist gets cut in half and it's out of focus. But you know that's okay. It was you know they're trying to figure it out. It was it was eighties. The, the Steadicam was relatively new, I think. Um, yeah, it wasn't technically.
1: That's the weird thing about this. Is that technically, there are parts of it that are I think are very well done, and there are parts of it that are pretty shoddy yeah. um, and so okay, here's where Bill van Vagel gets mad at me um, okay. and I love you, Bill. We love you, don't we yeah. Of uh, course. Um, and by the way, this is streaming on Van Vagel TV right now. Yeah, um, it's
0: streaming on Tubi and it takes place in Florida. So that's Joel and Bill crossing it's, over. It's, there you go. Yep. Um,
1: but, you know, he says he hates the term, you know, it's so good, it's bad or so right. bad, it's good. I'm sorry. Um, he says, you enjoy, you enjoy it. Yeah, but that's not my point. When I use the term, it, you know, it's so bad, it's good. As somebody who's been a filmmaker, who's been on film sets, who's who's audited film classes USC, all that kind of stuff, I watch Blood Rage. This is not a well-made film <laughs> from start to finish. No. There are parts of it that, yeah, you know, but there are other parts that's like, oh, my gosh. Like you said, that's, like, that's out of focus. That's, you know, um, that's obvious filler. That's, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I still enjoyed it. And so when I say it's so bad, it's good, what I mean by that is technically it's not a well-made film, but I still have fun watching it.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I feel the same way. I I use the the term so bad, it's good uh, all the time. I mean, nobody can watch Troll 2 and think, I'm entertained by this. I think that this is a good piece of cinema. Right. You're going to say this is a piece of crap, and I love it. Um, But and that's it's kind of the same way. Yeah, because
1: I I do want to promote good filmmaking. It's like yeah. and good filmmaking is not necessarily multi million dollar filmmaking. I mean, look at what John Carpenter and Dean Kundi accomplished in Halloween. It's amazing. Right. With the budget they had, it's absolutely amazing. That's why I say, you know, as much as I love Friday the Thirteenth, and I paid hundreds of dollars to go visit the set and all that kind of stuff, I love it that much. Friday the 13th is an inferior film to Halloween, not because it's it's less enjoyable, but because it's just better made. It's a better made film. And so if you're a film buff and you can recognize, okay, that's good cinematography, that's good editing. You know, that's good musical score. That's good acting, all that kind of stuff. I want to promote that, especially among people who had very little and figured it out like John Carpenter and Deborah Hill did with Halloween. That to me is so impressive. One of the reasons Halloween is right below psycho by Hitchcock and jaws by Spielberg in my favorite movies of all time. It's like, man, what did they accomplish with $325,000? It's amazing. Yeah. Um. And, and, and so I want to give credit to that. I want to, I want to promote, that. I hope that's what you do as a filmmaker in your first film or two. It's like, you know, we, we've we got to sit down and figure this out. We've got to sit down and figure what well, we've only got this much budget, but how do we make this a superior film? That it looks really good, the actors feel comfortable, and get, they're giving their best performance, all that kind of stuff.
0: You know, with this, I don't feel like any of that was there. <laughs> no. No, not at all. And and just to, just to finish the topic up, I, I'll say... I mean, look at the best film debuts of all time, like like uh, uh, like Pulp Fiction or not Pulp Fiction, but Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Um, It's like low budget and low budget. But people believed in it and they had what they had and they did what they did with it. And people took made sacrifices to bring that to the to the forefront. I don't think anybody really was putting pouring their heart and soul into blood rage. I don't think anybody was saying, I'm going to go hungry tonight because i believe in blood rage um i think that everybody here was involved in this because they were given money and they had to do something with it um so i yeah they just wanted to take the money and put something on screen and then make some money back um and even though it does have some parts that are that are cool like obviously the practical effects the person doing that was having a lot of fun with it and they wanted to do something cool and and some of the performances like we said like the lead performance he's obviously having fun especially as terry but um most of this i feel like the the reason it is the way it is is just because people didn't care we have all these questions why is the mom the way she is all oh, because the actress didn't really care Uh, why is why is the script written this way we know that the writer can do better stuff well he probably didn't really care um so it's it that's pretty much what i can chalk it all up to so it's not a conventional so bad it's good movie it's not like the room because you can tell they were really trying on the room they were try. they were given 100 percent on the room and what we ended up with was the room with this the people involved in it with man Maybe the exception of the director, I haven't seen Scalpel, but I'm gonna I'm gonna assume uh, it's pretty either. much the same yeah. <laughs> as as Blood Rage. And, and judging by the fact that this is called Slasher originally, his filmography would have been Scalpel and Slasher, and that does not sound that uh, like that uh, artsy to me. But anyways, um, and with the exception of the director, I feel like everybody here has done better work they just didn't care. Oh, That's, oh yeah, or even look at a movie like, I don't know if
1: you've seen it or not, like David Lynch's Eraserhead. I have. Which okay, you've seen it. All right, so that was very, 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 very low budget.
0: Yeah. Took them and 5 yet,
1: years, too. Yeah, but very powerful. Yeah. Um, especially if you understand the concept behind it, which is David Lynch terrified of being a parent.
0: Sure.
1: You know, and 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 so if you watch it through that lens, you know it's very powerful with a very low budget, and that's why I just I I can't give you know low budget directors who produce schlock. I can't say you know I can't say oh no it's just good. It's you know I enjoyed it you know the same way I enjoyed Citizen Kane. I mean give me a break. I can't I can't say that. I mean you know it's it's crap filmmaking. I love Nailgun Massacre but not because the director did a good job. He did a the editor, the director did a terrible job. There's a scene where you can see somebody was just killed, open their eyes before they cut away. I mean, it's, it's, it's awful. Um, but do I enjoy it? Yeah. And I'm not going to apologize for enjoying it, but am I am I going to say it's a good movie? Oh, not if you held a gun to my head.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel the same way. And we've had this discussion time and time again. It's just so fun to talk about. Like we talked about this with, Joel, where he was like, would I, would I would I rather watch a a good good movie or an entertaining movie? Like, would I ra- rather watch Barry Lyndon or Stepfather? Too, we had this discussion, right? And you know, obviously, you'd rather watch Stepfather Two than Barry Lyndon if you've already seen it, because you know it's a oh, great movie. Barry Lyndon is a is a well made boring movie. Yeah. yeah, yes, absolutely. So it's, it's 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 we've had this discussion, and I fall on both sides of the, the, the debate because in that situation, yeah, I'd rather rewatch Stepfather Two than Barry Lyndon, but also i would I would not call this a good movie, even though I enjoy it thoroughly and there are lots of quotes from this I love from performances I love I wouldn't call this a good movie I would not you, even put this you don't, I mean, i've mean, i made my i my want top a champion
1: 50. I mean you're not no. like on Twitter going somebody needs to bring John Grismer back into the director's chair no
0: i'm not I'm not doing that i'm not i wouldn't I don't own this movie i don't I've, i' can i can watch this movie for free i don't know that i would pay for it because right. until that changes i don't know if i'd spend any money on it but um but you know still i still i enjoy it but i would but i wouldn't call it a good movie so i fall on both sides of it so I, it's just fun to discuss in that way but um yeah blood rage is just it's so baffling to me everybody's seen this movie at this point i feel and and when we talk about a scene that, that i know it's in their head and they're they're thinking about it too so it's just it's it's just one of those movies It I feel like this has the potential to be a Troll Two or a um, or The Room or Silent Night Deadly Night Two. I think this has the potential to be that. Just more people don't know about it.
1: Yeah, and we have to mention the costume design, which is oh, straight great. out of the early eighties. Yeah. it's they shopped at like a Chess King or a Merry Go Round, which confession I shopped there too. <laughs> um, I, I had I had. Sh- I had sleeveless shirts and oh, red no. pants and stuff like that. I did in the early '80s.
0: I had uh, faux leather pants with zippers and yeah. Oh did. no! Did you did you have the I pop collar with the red tie like like Terry does in the movie? I had a pop collar and I no. Had, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. This is if anything that you could call this a documentary. It re- really documents the fashion of the time and the sensibilities.
1: Yeah yeah we were all shopping at malls and and chess King and merry Go-round were we'll quote unquote the rock and roll stores and MTV uh-huh. was uh, you know blowing up so you had to have your MTV clothes. so yeah, I did it.
0: yeah, I did. And Terry has like seven or eight costumes in this movie. Every time he gets blood on him, he changes into a new, more ridiculous, more 80s outfit, which I find really funny. And it's so funny because it was outdated by the time they released it because they made this in 83 and released it in 87. Oh, okay. Four years of fashion have gone by, and they still were like, this is good. Let's, let's, oh, let's well, by yeah, by 87, everything had
1: completely changed. Because I, right. I remember, first of all, Guns and Roses broke in 87. Yeah. And that was a big deal because they weren't wearing like costumes, spandex, you know, that kind of stuff. They were wearing jeans and t shirts and, you know, they, bandana. They, yeah. They look like bikers. Yeah. And that became a big thing. By the time I moved to Hollywood in 88, it was all about cowboy boots, jeans, and a like, kind of a uh, i would say a dress jacket but not really you know it was that kind of thing and that was in wearing a uh, t-shirt and that was in which was a big difference between 83 and 88 87 oh, yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and big. and Slashers had died too i don't know why they thought 87 was a prime time to release this cuz when they made it in 83 slashers were still kind of hanging in there but by 87 no, yeah, I, uh, I, well
1: shockingly they couldn't find a distributor. Um, <laughs> yeah, and
0: I don't know why somebody picked it up in 87 though. Like that's that's so odd. to Well, because you know I mean? it was all... a direct
1: to video thing and it was yeah. like, you know, I mean it got it did get some a few drive-ins and stuff like that, but it didn't yeah, it didn't get wide release until uh, until it was released on video. But what else do we want to talk about?
0: I have one more uh, we've been talking about the filmmakers possibly being self-aware. I have one final argument. This is my closing argument for my case. All right, here, make it the line, and please put on a sweater. It's cold outside. The blue one. There is no way that is not a self-aware line. The fact that they're they're trying to find his homicidal brother, and her first thought is put it put the blue sweater on first. The the mom talking to Terry. There is no possible way that is not at least a little self-aware. That's straight out of Scream.
1: Hey, Maybe, and it may be just
0: filler. It may be just filler, but what does it fill? Four seconds? I don't know that 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 was what was going to think. I think they it's were really... really straining to get to an hour twenty. We do get a lot of really odd like shots that hold hold too long. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, that seemed like a deliberate choice. I'm going to, I'm going to say that's an artistic choice right there. That line is, is, uh, you can believe what you want to believe. I'll let the jury decide. <laughs> we'll let the listeners decide mm-hmm. if, if, Blood Rage is actually self-aware, uh, the first self-aware comedic genius movie. Um, this is the original new nightmare this is the original scream, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, whatever I, I rest my case. i'm happy with my arguments here um and uh yeah just overall odd movie blood rage uh if if you've seen it you know what we're talking about if you haven't this episode has made no sense to you at all because we've been describing it pretty well i feel like but not well enough that somebody who hasn't seen it could catch up because this is this is really one you just gotta see and it's not long at all and there's not a lot of plot to it hour 22 minutes yeah hour 22 minutes and it's like you said A lot of that is just filler. Um, But a lot of people walking around the woods, this has like Friday the 13th part seven, uh, itis where a lot of people just walk back and forth around in the woods. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's just so dense with meaning and, uh, and with, uh, (laughs) psychological commentary. Oh yeah. Okay. You really got to see it. Uh, um,
1: all right. (laughs) So, uh, let me say this before we rate this. Okay. Um, We just had Wolfman on. Mm -hmm. We've had, um, Dave, Dr. Shock Becker on several times. Yeah. We had Jay of the dead on, on a, on a famous lost episode, which we can't figure out what happened to, but a great guy. Um, the H and P crew, when they reviewed this, Mm -hmm. Dr. Shock gave this an eight out of 10. Oh boy. Jay of the dead gave it a seven out of
0: 10. Okay wolfman gave it a five out of ten okay well that's you know all right wolfman i see you that's uh, that's a little bit more realistic i would say what say you um i don't know okay i'm gonna say again i enjoy this movie i'm going more with wolfman i'm gonna go even further i'm gonna say this is a four out of ten um i'm gonna say it's a four out of ten i don't own it I watch this for free streaming. Um, it's it's just, like I said, okay, so what's the quick pros and cons list? Feature-length movie. It is feature-length, technically. I mean, it's not 90 minutes, but it still <laughs> qualifies it's as feature-length. It's a feature-length
1: feature movie. Feature-length movie.
0: Have you ever made a feature-length movie, Dad? No, I have not. I've only okay. There you video. It's
1: okay. It's mostly
0: no, no. in focus. It's about 75% in focus. Mostly in focus. Okay, Todd and Terry play well by the lead actor, and I would yeah, definitely call what are your
1: it, pros? It's mostly in focus.
0: <laughs> well, listen, it's mostly in focus, okay? it's Now, that's that's with film, it's trickier to do. I know that if it was a real movie, that that would have been 100% in focus. Now, hear me out. Hear me out, okay? Performance is entertaining, all right? Soundtrack is pumping, kills are cool, um, and it's i've you know i have stated that i believe it's self-aware to some extent self-aware somewhere on the grapevine somebody thought this was somebody i, I this want was, the subtitle to this episode to be blood rage mostly in focus yeah because that's a good selling point I put that on the poster but listen <laughs> cons okay i did give it a four out of ten if you'll recall, oh okay cons, i have a lot of them As a horror movie, it fails completely. It's not scary for even one second, Uh, except maybe for the wig on the double, like the twin doubles at the end. Yeah. Uh, That's that's so bad. Fails completely. Like I said, wide shots of Todd and Terry together are hilarious uh, because it's just a guy with a completely different build, and he's got like a white wig on, which is a really weird show. Yeah. most of the performances are flat other than the mom and Todd and Terry. Um, I mean, like, his girlfriend and all of his friends are just, you know, classic slasher, nothing characters. Um, uh, movies mostly in focus, which correctly implies some of this movie is definitely not. crap. Um, also, I don't know if this needs to be said, but I'll say it anyway. It's Blood Rage, okay? That's about the biggest con I can think of. It's Blood Rage. Um, uh, so, I, so yeah, four out of 10, I don't own it. I would recommend you stream it, especially if you, if you watch the dinners of death, I don't even know if that's still up. Cause I know that some of those, like it was, is, right, it is good. still up. Yeah. So I'd say watch it with Joe Bob your first time. That's what I did. Um, I watched it this time on YouTube cause you can find it in pretty good quality on YouTube with subtitles and it's the unrated version. I don't know if the, it's that's different than the, 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 uh one on shutter for all i know unrated version know might be the only version because it was never rated because it was you know just a small video release but um well it was
1: released to some theaters but not many a few drive-ins okay. and stuff so and they did cut some stuff but um yeah i i do i have seen it on youtube so yeah yeah
0: so yeah 4 out of 10 i'd say stream it for free But if you were listening this far into the episode, you've seen Blood Rage. Now, the question is what I recommend you rewatch it like I did. Um, And that answer is trickier because while my memory was refreshed, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I might have nightmares now. Uh, But uh, yeah, I don't know. I would say if you if you've been listening to this episode and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that part. Don't watch it again. Only watch this movie again if you don't remember anything, because otherwise it's just going to waste your time
1: i've seen it four times and i will probably watch it again
0: okay all right so what's your rating
1: i'm going with a five but as bad as it is Mm -hmm. and it is not a well-made film (laughs) no um it is still enjoyable Mm -hmm. um i do recommend you know I, i i agree with you if you can if you have amazon prime or amc plus or shutter or whatever um watch the Dinners of Death episode with Joe Bob when he covers it. I think he does a great job with it. Yeah. So that's where I'm coming down. No, I won't buy it, but uh, I still have fun with it, as bad as it is. So, folks, stay tuned for what we're covering next. Um, We want to thank our supporters at Patreon, and you can join for as little as $2.50 a month, and all proceeds go to Jackson as he labors to get through film school. And you can find more over at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com and over at Twitter at, at @fathersonhorror, And we have
0: a closed Facebook group. Where can they find you online, buddy? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Kane underscore Hero 12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero 12. Uh, you can find my letterbox and my YouTube link there. And, um, yeah, so that's you, I'm, I'm always up for talking about blood rage. You know, that's yeah, that's, that's just, it's always on my mind. What can I say?
1: And I can be found at pastor Matt R on Twitter and letterboxed next up, we are planning on covering silent night, deadly night one and two with hopefully if we can work out the schedule. Coming back
0: to the show, Ashes to Ashes and Brian Scott. That should be fun, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're 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 talking about the ultimate Thanksgiving movie. Maybe the only good Thanksgiving uh, (laughs) movie. Uh, And next, we're talking about the ultimate uh, uh, Christmas horror movies, one of which is genuinely pretty good at some points, and the other is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. So looking forward (laughs) to that. It's going to be a lot of fun, and Brian and Ash are great. They are. So all right thanks for listening and say goodbye to the good people goodbye and remember next time you're on the phone sharing your life story with the operator be sure to plug our podcast we really appreciate the word of mouth yes we would so uh, until next time remember one
1: that isn't cranberry sauce (laughs) and two the family that watches horror
0: together slays together Once again, I want to thank the great people over on Patreon. Dave Becker, Greg Bench, Ryan Bratton, Dan George, Ian Urza, Kevin Corpy, James McPheeters, Ashley Pinkard, Greg Amortis and Pearl from LOTC, Raul Rivera, Joel Robertson, Greg Russell, Brian Scott, Stefan Sitter, Amy Swan, and Trey Whetstone. Thank you all so much. You make this podcast possible. lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eye. Very important to remember both those things. Yes, there we go. Those are the, those are the two things I've written on my palm in Sharpie, just in case I forget. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it's not cranberry <laughs> sauce. Oh, and the family that watches horror movies. Okay, it slides together. Got it. That's All right. right.